Today on the Matt Wall Show, Canada criminalized Christianity last week, and nobody seems to have noticed. How did that happen? And are we on the same path in this country? Also, Michael Phelps speaks out about the trans athlete issue, uh, sort of. Stephen A. Smith returns to the air to tell about his near-death experience with COVID, but he seems to have learned the wrong lessons from the ordeal. And Whoopi Goldberg says that the GOP is going to try to remove voting rights from women. I have to admit that the ladies of The View do make a compelling argument for that policy change. And Don Lemon on CNN condemns the, quote, idiots who do their own research. And our daily cancellation will deal with the sports analyst who tried to prove his anti-racist credentials by bragging about his MLK memorabilia. It didn't go well, as you might expect. We'll talk about all that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show. You know, I don't know a lot about investment, but one thing I do know is that you don't want to have all your eggs in one basket. You have to diversify your investments. And right now, inflation is at 40 years high, 40 year highs, and it's here to stay because here's the government's dirty little secret, uh, not a very well kept secret, is that they want it that way. I mean, think about this. Right now, inflation rates are higher than the interest on treasury bonds. So with every day that passes, the government owes less on its mountain of debt. Imagine if your mortgage had a negative interest rate, would you be in any hurry to pay it off? Probably not. So your pain is their game. That's what it means. Protect your savings now. Hedge against inflation with gold from Birch Gold because the government is sabotaging the value of the U.S. dollar. Birch Gold will help you convert an eligible IRA or 401k into an IRA backed by real gold. And what do you get from that? You get uh, not only a great investment, but peace of mind as well. With thousands of satisfied customers and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, you can trust Birch Gold to protect your savings. Text WALSH to 989898 to get a free info kit on holding gold in a tax-sheltered account. Then call Birch and protect your hard-earned savings. Again, text WALSH to 989898 to get your free info kit now. One of the most depressing realities of my life over the last few years is that as I've traveled around the country speaking at college campuses, the most aggressive and hostile receptions I've received by far have been at the allegedly Christian institutions, especially the Catholic ones. In fact, I have not encountered mass protests against my talks except at Christian universities. This is certainly not the worst aspect of the fall of Christian education in the United States, but it is a revealing symptom of the problem. Here's another, as reported by the Daily Wire. It says, DePaul University, the largest Catholic college in the United States, apparently, quote, jumped at the opportunity to provide students with at least eight different genders to choose from on official college documents and other student life forms, despite the fact that it likely goes against Catholic teaching on God's creation of man and woman. The change comes as DePaul's Student Government Association recently stated that, quote, misgendering somebody is a, quote, act of violence. The College Fix recently flagged that DePaul's student portal, known as Campus Connect, a website used for keeping information on and for students, faculty, and staff for communication and other purposes, now allows students to choose either male, female, intersex, non-binary, transgender male, transgender female, cisgender, unspecified, and I do not wish to self-identify. The announcement was made on January 4th, and Michael Wright, Assistant Vice President of DePaul's Registrar Office, said the college wanted to promote ways for students to express their identity if they choose to do so. Now, it's no surprise that DePaul has gone this direction. As the College Fix reported back in June, according to Daily Wire, quote, the Catholic University's LGBTQI plus resource center coordinator in the Office of Multicultural Student Success, hold on a second, the LGBTQI plus resource center coordinator in the Office of the Multicultural Student Success Center, um, has this to say. His name is Michael Riley. 
He stated that calling somebody by the gender or pronoun they were born with when they've demanded others do not do so is, quote, incredibly harmful. Quote, simply put, misgendering folks is harmful because it allows for trans and gender expansive folks to be seen as jokes or as less of a person. It can make the person feel like they are not important enough to remember, which is incredibly harmful. Riley stated, furthermore, incorrectly assuming someone's pronouns also assumes someone's gender, which can lead to other marginalized and harmful behavior, he added. He or she, I don't know. Um, the first problem, of course, is that they created an LGBTQI plus resource center and multicultural center to begin with. The rest flows logically and inevitably from that starting point. Now, DePaul is, of course, just the latest alleged Christian institution to fully endorse the left's sexual ideology. Most Christian universities have gone down this path. Great many churches have as well. I drove by a church just yesterday um, here in Nashville with a, with a giant rainbow flag and BLM logo hanging outside. Now, a gay pride flag on a church was unthinkable as recently as a decade ago. You would have had to wander into the most radical parts of San Francisco or you know, Portland or Seattle or something to see something like that. Now it's totally commonplace everywhere in the country, red and blue states alike. You know, Canada essentially criminalized Christianity last week, as you heard about on this show. You didn't hear about it many other places, but we talked about it. When their dystopian cons- conversion therapy bill went into effect, threatening pastors with half a decade in prison if they preach about Christian sexual ethics from the pulpit. It was, and is, the complete collapse of religious liberty in the country. I mean, religious liberty is gone. It doesn't exist anymore in Canada. And yet, this um, situation was hardly noticed. Largely because almost every pastor in Canada had long since abandoned Christian moral teachings, especially as it pertains to sex anyway. I mean, they weren't talking about it in the first place. A few brave holdouts have spoken out since then, but there aren't nearly enough to make a difference. The Canadian government, they would never try to criminalize Christianity if the faith was vibrant and alive in the country. A weak little worm like Justin Trudeau, he's not up for that fight. Instead, they wait until it's almost entirely dead, and then they come in with the kill shot. Now, we're headed in the same direction in the United States. As always, we're on the same cultural track and train as Canada and Europe, but just a few cars behind. A lion will go for the slowest and sickest antelope in the herd. The anti-Christian tyrants in the West have been themselves stalking in the grass, waiting until the church is hobbled enough to strike. Canada got to that point, and now religious liberty is gone. Christian teaching is illegal in Canada right now just up north from us. We're almost there as well. When we lose the will to resist even the most radical, depraved, and sadistic elements of left-wing orthodoxy, you know that the situation is terminal. Now, it shouldn't need to be explained, but I will anyway. A Christian cannot countenance any aspect of the left's gender ideology without forfeiting his faith in the process. Every church or university that has shown any tolerance for any part of this doctrine has given up its faith. It is now apostate. Because either God creates us and gives us our identity, male or female, we are created, as the Bible says in the very first chapter, or we create ourselves and determine our own identities. It's one or the other. 
Okay? And if you choose the latter, then you have chosen a religious doctrine, but it is not a Christian doctrine. Either God can make a mistake and accidentally put a female soul into a male body, some sort of screw-up on the cosmic assembly line, making him fallible, error-prone, and frankly stupid, creating messes that we have to clean up with with drugs and surgery, or God is all-knowing and all-powerful, and his wisdom exceeds our own by an infinite margin. Which means that even if you don't like your own identity, your biological identity, it's still right. It's the right identity. And it's you who are looking at it the wrong way, not God. Those are the two options. If you choose the former, then you have chosen a religious doctrine, but it is not a Christian doctrine. And you are not a Christian. So when I talk about the, the gender issue on this show, I, I usually engage with it from a, from a rational, logical, scientific standpoint. Because you don't need to be a Christian to understand that men are not women any more than you need to be a Christian to understand that 2 plus 2, two, plus two doesn't equal 5. But it's still the case that this ideology is fundamentally incompatible with the Christian faith. Not just incompatible, but in competition with it. Gender ideology militates against Christian teaching. It was designed to do just that. That's the point of it, largely. It becomes a poison in the church's bloodstream. And in America, the church has been choosing to take this poison, poisoning itself. Until one day, as in Canada, it won't be a choice anymore. Now let's get to our five headlines. So we'll begin uh, with this. Michael Phelps was on, um, I think it was NBC, uh, CNN, doesn't matter, they're all the same. And he was asked about the trans sports issue, especially when it pertains to swimming, CNN, okay. Asked about uh, uh, you know Leah Thomas and what's going on at, at uh, University of Pennsylvania and the swimming and everything, and and it it makes sense to talk to Michael Phelps uh, about this. And I first became aware of this interview in this segment because I saw conservatives on social media, some of them kind of celebrating Michael Phelps's answer and saying, "Oh, he he took a stand and he's on our side," and and that would be fantastic if that was true. Michael Phelps, that these are the kinds of voices we need speaking out. But then I, I went and I, I watched this segment of the interview where he allegedly took a stand and um, expressed his, his uh, you know, he, he, he sided with, with rationality and all of that. I watched it and uh, I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure I quite see it, but let's let's watch. There is, as you know, a certain amount of controversy around the University of Pennsylvania college college swimmer by the name of Leah Thomas. And there are some people who are questioning her, I'm not sure what the right word is, her right to, to swim on a woman's team. She's transgender. What do you make of that? And she's obviously doing exceptionally well. She also has been taking testosterone suppressants, um, but nonetheless does much better, according to the records, than her female con- con- contestants. What do you make of, um, of this particular situation? I mean, look, like I, I'll say, you know, I, I can talk from a standpoint of, of doping. Um, you know, I, I don't think I've competed in a clean field in my entire career. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think this leads back to the organizing committees again. 
um, because it has to be a level playing field. I think that's something that that we all need um, because it's it like that's what sports are. Uh, and and for me, um, I I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know um, what's going to happen. Um, I, I believe that we all should feel comfortable with who we are in our own skin. Um, but I think sports should all be played at an even playing field. I don't know what that looks like in the future. Um, but it's 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 hard. It, it, it's a really it, I, honestly, I I don't know. It's what complicated. To say. Uh, it's very complicated and and um you know this is this is my sport this has been my sport my whole entire career um and and i honestly the one thing i would love is everybody to be able to compete on an even playing field that's all i can say what what a skulking little jellyfish uh he is which is which is appropriate because he is a swimmer but uh not a you know an invertebrate swimmer is is michael phelps the one reason why this is being celebrated and conservatives are giving him props for saying this is that he said, well, we need to be on a level playing field. But he, he stops way short of actually condemning the insane practice of allowing men to compete against women. Stops very short of that. So, no, this is not him taking a stand. This is him avoiding it. Now, he, he indicates that he knows that it's wrong. That's what the level playing field thing is about. But he's too afraid to simply come out and say, well, obviously men should compete against women. This is insane. He knows that, but he's too afraid to say it. This is, uh, no, this is not him taking the right position. This is not him being on our side. This is him being an absolute, gutless, despicable coward. Even though he, he risks almost nothing. I mean, all the endorsement deals and everything, he's got whatever. He's got millions and millions of dollars. He'll be fine. He can do whatever he wants with the rest of his life. What does he risk in simply standing up and saying what we all know is true? It'd be an awkward interview uh, on CNN, and maybe some of his uh, leftist friends will look at him funny, but that's, that's it. We need people like this who are in the mainstream. If we're talking about sports, then we need athletes specifically to speak out, and, they, and almost all of them refuse to do it. Cowardice. One of, the, one of the real epidemics we face in this country is just a an enormous amount of cowardice. He says it's complicated. It's not complicated. There's nothing complicated at all about this. And, and he knows that. Oh, you know, it's very, very complicated. We've got the way to... No, not at all. Are you a man? Well, you belong with the men. That's it. Really as simple as that. There's, there's nothing complex about this issue. The fact that a minority of people would get their feelings hurt if they were not allowed to compete against women, that does not make this complicated. At all. And again, he knows that. Almost everyone in the country knows that. Almost everyone knows that this is crazy. But very few are willing to say it. And this is also not about, and we cannot emphasize this enough, when we talk about this issue with women's sports. Um, the primary concern here is not fairness. It's not protecting women's sports for the sake of 
protecting women's sports. That's not the primary concern. That's not the fundamental concern. And that's not what makes this wrong, primarily. The primary concern, as always, is just is truth. It's is, is reality. So why is it wrong to have Leah, quote unquote, Thomas competing against women? Yeah, it's unfair to the women. It destroys women's sports. That that's a problem. But the main reason that uh, we should be against it is that it's 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 not true. He's he's not a woman. It's it is not true. But the more that we, this is what makes me really uncomfortable because even many of the conservatives, especially Republicans who are willing to talk about this and with Republican lawmakers and governors and everything, it, it, it took a while. It was a lot of cajoling that went into uh, getting to them to the point where they were willing to talk about this issue at all. But even when they do, most of the time they're, they're framing this all about, oh, I just care so much about women's sports. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I I don't really care that much about women's sports for its own sake. Especially if the women themselves and the people who run these these leagues are not willing to stand up and defend their own sports. As far as that goes, I mean, you made your bed, now lie in it. If you're a female athlete and you're going to go and actually participate in this charade, that's on you. I don't feel any great need to go in there for you and do the job that you're not willing to do. That's, this is, it's, it's your sport. Protect it. If you're a female athlete, protect your own sport. If you're not willing to do it and female sports go away, that's your fault. It's nobody else's fault. The reason I care about it is because, again, it's, it, this is an untruth. And I care about the truth a lot more than I care about women's sports or men's sports, for that matter. Or fairness, you know? Truth is a lot more important than fairness, I would say. All right. Stephen A. Smith over at ESPN has been uh, off of his show for a month, apparently. I didn't notice, but uh, he's been gone and he's, he's battling COVID. And he's, uh, he's vaccinated. I think he's triple vaxxed, I would assume. He came back yesterday with a, a harrowing story to tell and also with, uh, with the lesson that, that he feels he's learned from the experience. Let's watch. I had a 103-degree fever every night, woke up with chills and pool of sweat, uh, headaches were massive, coughing profusely, and it got to a point that right before New Year's Eve, I was in the hospital New Year's Eve into New Year's Day. That's how I brought in the new year. And they told me, had I not been vaccinated, I wouldn't be here. That's how bad I was. I had pneumonia in both lungs. My liver was bad um, and it ravaged me to the point where even now I have to monitor my volume. Got to get in the gym every day, walk before you run and work your way back because I'm still not 100 percent with my lungs. But I'm COVID negative and all of that stuff. And I'm on the road to recover me to recovery. Yeah, that's that's the lesson is uh, he's triple vaxxed and he got COVID anyway. And ended up in the hospital anyway, and was on the verge of death anyway, despite multiple doses of a vaccine that's supposed to protect against all of this. And, and the lesson is, thank God for the vaccine. So that's the great thing. Unfal- unfalsifiable, of course, is the, um, the argument for the vaccine, because if somebody uh, is vaccinated, 
and doesn't get COVID at all, then we can say, well, thank God for the vaccine, protected against them against COVID. And uh, if they get COVID anyway, then we could say, well, thank God for the vaccine. They weren't hospitalized. And if they're hospitalized anyway, well, then thank God for the vaccine. They weren't, they didn't die. And if they die anyway, then thank God for the vaccine. It was, uh, it was less painful than it would have been otherwise. But what exactly, first of all, you run into the problem of how do you know that? You say, if you, if you didn't have vaccine, you'd be dead. Well, how, how do you know that? You don't. Almost the vast majority of people who get COVID, especially this, the, the uh, current strain of it, don't die, whether they're vaccinated or not. So how could you possibly know what would have happened in this other potential universe where you didn't get the vaccine? But also, what exactly is the—this is just a question— what is the vaccine doing for you? I mean, a vaccine where you could get three doses in a year and not only get the virus that it's supposed to prevent, but go to, end up in the hospital? No, you can't question the efficacy of the vaccine. You can't do that. And in fact, the Times of Israel reports uh, this week, it says a study conducted at Sheba Medical Center indicates a fourth shot, a fourth shot, of the Pfizer coronavirus vaccine provides insufficient protection against the Omnicorn, Omnicorn variant of the virus. The data appears to raise serious questions regarding Israel's current strategy of boosting all people over the age of 60. So they're on four shots now, and uh, it still doesn't, it's, it's insufficient protection. So if you're not, listen, if you're not willing to get five shots of the vaccine in a year, then you're anti-science. You are, we, we have now reached a point, we've, we've leapfrogged over number four, and now if you're not willing to get five shots of the, of the, the vaccine every single year, you are, you are an anti-vaxxer and an extremist. Only an anti-vax, anti-science extremist would have any hesitation about getting five shots of a vaccine where you only need the five shots because the first four didn't work. The first four didn't work uh, well enough, let's say. Let me qualify that, YouTube. Um, all right, so protesters took to the steps of the Capitol yesterday to call for uh, legislation protecting voting rights. Let's just play a little bit of this footage here. You can see the, the um, you can see them and they're, they're singing. A little uh, gospel hymn here. Oh, look, is that a pastor with a rainbow? Shawl or whatever that is. Not going to let no filibuster turn me around there singing. And uh, I'm informed by Twitter that they also are, they're on a hunger strike, which it looks like for a few of them, that might actually benefit them. So it isn't a bad idea. You got them singing and chanting for voting rights. Meanwhile, they, they, they have it. They have all the voting rights in the world. Every single person there protesting, going on a hunger strike for voting rights. They all have it. Someone just needs to walk down those steps and say, hey, guys, uh, good news. You can all vote. Wow, does that mean that the, the voting rights law was passed? Uh, no, no, no. You, you've had this right literally your whole life. So just go. <laughs> You're fine. Go. 
This is how desperate people are to tell themselves that they're in some sort of struggle, that they're suffering when they're not really. Desperate to be victims, of course. Desperate to be oppressed. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg over at The View, she says that, um, that as bad as it is now with voting rights, and no one can explain what the problem is or how anyone's being prevented from voting, she says that um, this, this current phantom attack on voting rights will only lead to even scarier phantoms in the future. Listen to this. This is part of the big plan. This is part of the big plan to control what happens in America. I believe what happens in America. If you take those voting rights away, people are going to be so angry, but there'll be nothing they can do about it because we're in charge. Next thing comes the women. We're going to take your rights away, just like we're taking X, Y, and Z, because there'll be nothing you can do. This country seemingly, or many people in it, seemingly want to be... To manipulate it. Oh, I was going to say to destroy it. Well, I don't know if they realize that it it will be destructive. I don't because Mm -hmm. listen, when we talk about anti-Semitism, and we talk about Anne Frank, and we can't teach what happened to black people, and we, we, you know, there's all kinds of stuff that's suddenly starting to disappear now. That isn't that is being sort of called is well, that's just you whining. That's just you saying this is happening to me. You got to take away the women's voting rights. That's what she thinks. As I said, I mean, there's, there's, I have not advocated for taking women's voting rights away. I haven't heard anyone advocate for that seriously. Um, as you know, I, I am in favor of removing voting rights from lots of people and probably everybody on The View, but not specifically based on gender or race, just based on um, how, how stupid they are. And that's why, you know, certainly the, the, the bar that we would set, even if it was a fifth grade civics exam, that would exclude everybody on The View. But, you know, then again, since she raised the point, I mean, I'm not the one who brought this up, but she brought it up about taking voting rights away from women. Again, I, I, I'm not in favor of that. But when I watch The View for even a moment, it, you do start to think maybe there's an argument. Like the best argument for taking voting rights away from women is, is actually the view. So that's kind of the irony here. But that's, that's not what it's about. And as you know, I'm, I'm, the only, I'm a voice in the wilderness crying out, nobody else is talking about removing voting rights from anybody. That is just not, that's, that's not a thing that's happening. But this is what the Democrats are focused on. This is what Joe Biden is focused on. Joe Biden, who has uh, just completed what I think we can say without exaggeration is the worst first year of any president in American history. And his approval ratings are plummeting. Now they're at, uh, at last I saw, what was it, 32 or 33%? And this is what it, 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 people in this country are facing a lot of practical problems in their, in their lives, real problems. Inflation is a real problem. The price of milk and bread, these are real problems that affect your everyday life. Price of gasoline is a real problem. Um, But Democrats are all fighting mythical dragons. Slaying the monster that wants to take voting rights away. Totally imaginary. Meanwhile, Don Lemon on his show last night had some uh, interesting words for you idiots out there who think that you can 
go off and uh, do your own independent research. How dare you? How dare you think that you could research things on your own and arrive at your own conclusions? That's Don Lemon's job. Don Lemon's job is to tell you what you should know and what conclusions you should reach, as he clearly explains here. We have to start doing things for the greater good of society and not for idiots who think that they can do their own research or that they are above the law and they can break the rules. Australia, Novak Djokovic, Australia said, no, 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 no. We're going to look at the greater good of everyone in our society, and you're not part of that. We don't. How dare you try to an idiot? Only an idiot would try to do research. Now, in fact, I, I do agree with some of the skepticism, um, n- not pertaining specifically to uh, anti-vaxxers, but in generals. I, I, I can I can agree with some of the, the, the skepticism people have. When someone on the internet claims that they've done their own research on really any topic. Because I run into this all the time. Someone says, oh, I've, I've done my research. You need to do your research. And you know that 99% of the time, the person who claims that they've done their own research. What, what, what do they mean by research? They mean, um, I looked up a couple articles on Google. I read um, the headline in the first paragraph. Checked Wikipedia. And then watched a couple of YouTube videos and saw a Facebook meme. And, um, and, and that's my research. And of course, the whole time that... The person is doing this research, and again, this this is this pertains to like any subject at all for anybody. Um, the whole time they're doing this research, they're specifically pursuing information that confirms what they already believed going in. So, and that's not what research is. I mean, research is a much longer process. I mean, if you're doing one way, you know you're not doing real research in, onto any into any topic is if you're not reading any books about it. Because real research usually involves reading like actual books, for one thing. And you're also going to be reading um, perspectives from both sides. And you're gathering all kinds of information. It's a long, kind of drawn-out process. That's what research is. And I, I of course, realize, as I think we all do, that most of the people on the Internet who say they've done their own research have, have done no re- actual research at all. They are, they are, in fact, pursuing talking points to support what they, to confirm their priors, to support what they already believed. Um, but why, why, why is that? I mean, what, why have we reached the point where people, you know, are just loose on the wilds of the internet trying to sift through and find information? It's not the most ideal scenario, but the reason is people like Don Lemon and CNN that everyone realizes they can't trust the are sort of official disseminators of information. You can't trust CNN. You can't trust what the news media says about about anything. You especially can't trust that um, that they're giving you all the information that you need. So there's the problem of the information they're giving you. Is it true or not? Oftentimes it's not. But the bigger problem is what what are they not telling me? And so there's, there's a total breakdown in trust. Um, trust in all of our institutions. Especially the institutions that are supposed to be informing us, teaching us. You can't trust academia. You can't trust the school system. You can't trust the media. And so people have no choice but to go, quote, do their own research. 
Um, a lot of people don't don't go about that in a, in a in an honest way, and I think a lot of people also don't really know how to research things. That's another thing that the school system is supposed to teach you, but isn't really interested in teaching you that because the school system isn't interested in inculcating um, critical thinking skills. So that's entirely your fault, Don Lemon, and not just you, but all of uh, CNN and, and and the media generally. All right, here's a, an important story, the, the most important story, before we get to the comment section. This is from Fox News. It says a Starbucks drive through customer has gone viral for ending a 23-car pay-it-forward streak when he learned the customer behind him had an order total of $46. In a TikTok video, anonymous user I'm Blessed 55 documented his experience, which showed that he ordered a venti frappuccino, and then uh, he found out about this pay-it-forward thing, and he found out that... Um, the car behind him had a, t- a tab of $46, whereas his was $6. And I, I, we've talked about this on the show. I think I, then I, I canceled Pay It Forward. I canceled them, and they're still happening somehow. Um, but this man, this is what we need. We, we talk about the need for, for people to take a stand, have courage. Well, th- this, I think, is real courage. To take a stand right there and say, no, I'm not going to participate in this. And as you know, the, the Pay It Forward, we call it Pay It Forward. It's actually Pay It Backward because that's the, that's the game. Like someone decides to start this empty virtue signaling process and they say, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay for the order of the car behind me. And then you pull up and they say, oh, the car in front of you paid for, paid for you, yours. And at first you think, well, great. That was very nice of them. You want to drive away. But then the cashier says, would you like to pay for the car behind you? Why? Why would I want to do that? This is a, a perfect illustration of, uh, of, what, of what virtue and charity and generosity has become in our country today. It's totally empty and pointless. I mean, everybody in line at Starbucks, they, they all have expendable income. That's why they're there. They're, these are not, if you want to give money to help the poor, then certainly go do that. Why are you going to waste money paying for the coffees in the car behind you? No, absolutely. The right thing to do is accept, accept the generosity of the person behind you, cut it off, and go about your life. Let's get to the comment section. All right. As you know, we are now accepting video comments as well. Dailywire.com slash sweetbabycomments. And uh, we put those in the front of the line before we get to the, the written comments now. So let's start. Let's just go through these. We'll start at clip nine and uh, and go through these comments here. Hey, Matt. Well, I generally agree with your opinion on selfies. I actually happen to take a lot. Um, I take them for my husband who's deployed and he takes them and sends them right back to me, um, his own selfies. Uh, I absolutely love it. I love being able to have these pictures taken because I have three boys under five and they are not good at taking pictures of me. Um so the selfie, as much as I hate it on social media and stuff, and my selfies never go on social media, they're very, very helpful um, to help keep me connected with my husband. Uh, SBG for life. All right. Okay. I, I, I will carve out a deployment exception for my selfie moratorium. I will do that. I'm, I'm a generous man. Maybe not in a pay it forward drive through line, but in other contexts, I can be. So I'm willing to do that. But the understanding here, the, the pledge that you're making 
is that you will cease any and all selfie activity once your husband returns home. And you're never going to post any of them online. We do that and we can, we can, work, we can work out. We can compromise. Good. Um, okay, let's go to number 10. Hi, Matt. I just have to say that I'm very disappointed that all bumper stickers are canceled. I guess I'll have to rip this off. So we do have Sweet Baby Gang bumper stickers. Which, by the way, if you go to dailywire.com slash shop, uh, you can find all the great Daily Wire stores. But mine's the best. And you can go there and, and, and apparently buy bumper stickers. And I did specifically say, didn't I say this yesterday, that, um, that my bumper stickers, if I, if I could, I would criminalize bumper stickers in general, except for mine. Those don't count. So absolutely go buy a bumper sticker, Sweet Baby Gang bumper sticker, and, uh, and get a t-shirt while you're there, and a mug, and, and all the rest. All right, let's go to the next one. Hi, Master Matt. It's Gibberish here. Pronouns are he, him, walrocks. Um, I just wanted to say that I think when we're uploading our video comments, we should all be wearing a mask because uh, seeing maskless videos that might spread the virus, uh, especially Omicron with how contagious it is. So I just wanted to put that out there for everyone. Um, other than that, SBG for life. Uh, hope to see you soon. Thank you. That's a good point. That's a very good point, in fact. And I, I apologize for not for not encouraging that to begin with. Uh, and also, we have to keep in mind, you got to be safe because there's a lot we don't know, as, as he points out. With this virus, can it transmit digitally? Um, there, there are digital viruses. Your computer can get a virus, so it's not as as uh, unlikely as you may think. But then also, I think um, we have to keep in mind how startling and traumatic it is for people to see maskless faces in the first place these days, especially if you're ugly. But really, in general, so I think that's a good good suggestion. And uh, let's watch one more. Hey, sweet daddy Maddie, Max Maxine here from uh, Sydney, Australia. Uh, go by Dirk Dan Pronouns. Mate, we talk about Trump derangement syndrome, and I just wanted to know what your thoughts were on the other side of that, that coin, where you've got a um, bunch of Americans over there that can't get over this undying loyalty to Trump and um, can't see past him to uh, what is clearly a better candidate in Ron DeSantis, both globally and for you guys. Um, so I wanted to know your thoughts on that. Also, I saw your bare naked face on an old Facebook profile picture. It was disgusting. Please remove it immediately. Sweet baby gang for life. Cheers, Matty. See you, mate. Uh, first of all, I don't know what you were talking about at the end there. I was born with a beard. Have you seen the Sweet Baby Gang logo? So I don't know what, you're, what you are even referring to. Um, as far as uh, Donald Trump and the loyalty to Donald Trump, I think it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the power of branding, really, is what it is. Uh, why do people still watch Disney movies? You know, and, and Disney's been putting out nothing but nothing but tripe for, for years. People still watch. It's branding. Um, they're loyal to the Disney brand. E- even if Disney hates their guts, they're still loyal to the Disney brand. And, um, and so for Trump, I don't think he hates, you know, if, if you're loyal to his brand, I don't think he hates your guts. But, but it is, it's, a, it's a branding thing. And that's, that's Trump's expertise. Um, that's one of the ways that he made uh, all his money was was by being a kind of a marketing and branding expert, which is a obviously powerful and important skill to have, which is why I would really love, I mean, the, the, the best case scenario, the dream team, I think, is not putting Trump on a ticket with somebody like DeSantis. Dream team is Trump as the kingmaker behind the scenes lending his branding and marketing knowledge 
and resources to somebody like DeSantis. That's best case scenario. Okay, now you've got the real like two-headed monster type of thing. And that's that's what I would love to see. All right, let's move to some of the written comments. Scott says, Vosh, or Vouch, I don't know how to pronounce it, reacted to your reaction to his reaction to Johnny the Walrus. Please react to his reaction of your reaction. After a while, it does get with these reaction videos, it does get a little bit of a little bit well, kind of it's like in, inception where we get lost in 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 it and um it does feel a little bit self-serving after a while. But who knows? I'll, I'll watch his reaction. I'm sure it was quite interesting. David says, Matt, I can proudly and truthfully say that I've never taken a selfie. I'm truly living a vanity-free life. Please feature my comment on your show. Well, that's what someone who has no vanity would say, right? But thank you for your service in that regard anyway. Um, and Kip says, uh, Matt, have... Have loved the show for a long time. Easily one of the greatest shows to ever grace YouTube by far. Agree. However, you struck a nerve in the opening when you mentioned men not having beards while discussing masculinity. I grow a beard so hideous it makes Luke Bryan's beard look dis- decent and it is an insult to beards everywhere. Please don't be a beardist. I feel triggered now. SPG for life. I, I hear this a lot from men. It's, I don't think it's, a, it's an excuse. You're capable of growing some kind of beard. I don't, um, if I was a real, if I was discriminatory, if I was a bigot, then I would be discriminating against other types of beards. I don't. That's who you are. That's that's your true identity deep down, and you should be proud of it. There, there are no ugly beards. I'll say that. There are ugly faces, and a lot of them, which is one of the reasons why you want to cover it with a beard. Let's get to our daily cancellation. Today we canceled Darren Rovell, who is, I'm told by Wikipedia, a sports business analyst who previously worked for ESPN. Somehow this line of work has enabled him to amass an enormous social media following, two million on Twitter alone. But unfortunately for him, that enormous following only meant that there was a very large audience watching this week when he imploded like a dying star, creating a black hole of cringe so potent and powerful that it threatens to annihilate anything in its orbit. It all began... When somebody on Twitter called uh, called Rovell racist, now not that it matters, but from what I can tell, the initial charge of racism came from some random account called Bob M with literally one follower. So Bob M with one follower argued that Rovell's stance against paying college athletes is racist because he is, quote, trying to cut off the only lifeline that some of the poor, underprivileged minority college athletes are able to get. Now, the issue of paying college athletes is contentious. There are reasonable positions to be held on either side of it. I happen to be in favor of it, only because otherwise the corrupt NCAA gets to keep all the money, profiting to the tune of billions while pretending that college athletics is amateur, which is a big joke. That's my opinion. You might have a different one. Your opinion is wrong if it's different, but, you know, it's not racist. So Ravel could have simply ignored Bob M with one follower, but instead he felt the need to defend himself. Sensing, I guess, an opening to virtue signal, Ravel responded, quote, calling me a racist is cute. On this day especially, I have one of the largest Martin Luther King Jr. collections in the world, and some of my closest friends are black. Now, you may be wondering what a Martin Luther King Jr. collection is exactly. I mean, he's an historical figure, not a Pokemon. That's just one of the questions that arises from this tweet. Though he initially didn't seem eager to explain it, he deleted the tweet almost as quickly as he posted it, but it was too late. The internet had gotten a hold of it, and it was on its way to going viral. Ravel was mocked ruthlessly and deservedly. And he was also, shocker of shockers, accused of being racist for denying that he's racist. 
Now, you might think that, that Darren would now crawl away into a cave somewhere, hide there until all this blows over, protect whatever bit of his dignity remains, but you'd be wrong. He was not done humiliating himself. So later that day, he called into some sort of Miami Hurricanes fan broadcast and tried to further defend himself. What you're about to hear is um, very real. It may sound like a comedy skit or maybe a deleted scene from The Office, but I assure you that this is real life. Listen. Explain it to, to the fan base so we everybody can get on the same page. Sure. I, ha- I have uh, over nine MLK signed items. I am a humongous fan of what he's done. Uh, and over the last seven years, I've collected a lot of things. Uh, it's not only MLK. It's a lot of black history. I own a Rosa Parks uh, signed NAACP card. So it was pretty shocking today how I was called racist um, when when I am a student and lover of black history. And it was it was I never expected the reaction that I that I got today. Hmm. I'm so, I'm sorry I'm sorry if people think that a white man can't enjoy black history. All right. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. I'm, I I I really am. It, I'm sorry if people think that a white man uh can't uh, uh love Martin Luther King. But to me, that seems pretty counterintuitive. Somehow amid all of that, perhaps the funniest part to me is when he says of Martin Luther King I'm a humongous fan of what he's done, which is the kind of thing you might say about a tight end when he goes over 1,000 receiving yards on the season. And, and that was very funny, though maybe not as funny as bragging that you have a Rosa Parks trading card. And I'm not impressed by that anyway, because uh, I have the Frederick Douglass rookie card and a signed limited edition Harriet Tubman jersey. My anti-racist credentials are far more impressive and, and worth more on Amazon, incidentally. Now, as mentioned, this self-defense strategy by Rovell not only led to mockery, laughter, and derision, all very well warranted, but also to further charges of racism. Deadspin ran an article with the headline, Darren Rovell is why white America needs to leave MLK Day alone. The article by Karan Phillips calls Rovell disgusting, a sadist, and demented for what you just heard there. It was suggested that he needs to, quote, take a CRT class which I'm sure he'll be more than willing to do. Um, this is what he gets for showing off his anti-racist resume. And, and this, is, this is the lesson to take away from this. What's wrong with what Rovell said? Now, the popular view is that you shouldn't try to prove you aren't racist by saying you have black friends and that you appreciate black history because, according to this view, that only proves all the more so that you're racist. But that's ridiculous, of course. I mean, in fact, having black friends is compelling evidence that you're not racist against black people. Admiring Martin Luther King Jr. is another good piece of evidence. It's ridiculous to suggest that a man who despises black people would nonetheless surround himself with black people and look up to black historical figures as his personal heroes. So the problem with Rovell's attempt to prove he's not racist isn't that he's incorrect, but that he's trying to prove he's not racist. He is groveling before a mob of people who will hate him regardless. He's presenting evidence in the court of public opinion, even though the verdict has already been decided. Darren Ravel might be a cringy, self-important weirdo, but there's no reason to think he's racist. Unless you're the sort of person who thinks everybody with his skin pigmentation is racist. 
I mean, think about that article. It, it, it's, it's not an attack just on Darren Lavelle, but he lumps in all white people, white America, because we're all the same. In that case, there's no evidence that will ever convince you otherwise. And your opinion is irrelevant anyway. So why should anyone try to convince you of anything? Who cares what you think? These days, there are only two effective and worthwhile responses to the racism charge. One is to simply ignore it. And this is going to be the best course of action 95% of the time. Especially when the accusation is coming from an anonymous account named Bob with one follower. The second option for the other 5% is to say to your accuser, I don't care that you think that. Your opinion means nothing to me. Your feelings are unimportant. I have no desire to be liked or respected by you. That's how completely irrelevant you are to me. Good day, sir. Now, you could put that into your own words, but that's the message. Under no circumstances should you ever make any sincere attempt to disprove the racism charge. The category of racism is so broad and defined in such an arbitrary and ad hoc way that it's, it's unfalsifiable. It cannot be disproven. And at any rate, the people who wield this hammer are lazy, manipulative bullies. By trying to prove anything to them, you've lowered yourself, not down to their level, but below it. You're now lying prostrate on the ground, kissing their feet and begging for mercy, which you will not receive. It's pathetic. It's embarrassing. Also kind of hilarious sometimes, as Darren Rovell demonstrates, which is why today he is finally canceled. And we'll leave it there. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vodowski. The show is edited by Robbie Dantzler. Our audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is done by Cherokee Hart. And our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Canada outlaws the truth. A Waukesha judge bans ballot drop boxes. And a Democrat Senate candidate puffs the sin spinach in a campaign ad. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.